And we're live. Uh, here we are, yeah, again. What are we doing here again? Don't know, but... Um, what are we doing? They're still there. In life? Who's still there? They, Neil. They. You know they. You know those oh. they who do, that, who do things. Don't. don't what are they up to now? Don't, if you say their name, it, it gives well, them more That's power. why you use the word they. Yeah. They. It's a, it's a cover, you know, it's a don't screen. How do you know they prefer to... What if they prefer to be called Zay? Zer, Zay. Yeah, probably. You can't assume the gender identity of the oligarchy. Well, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> you never know where they're, what way they're made or where they're from or, or what makes them up. Underground, space. You don't, know, you don't know anything about them. I mean, just don't assume their gender or their... Species. Don't, don't assume they're species. Don't assume, don't assume they're humanity either. No. Um, that's everyone's worst mistake. They assume, yeah. They're just like me. Yeah. Don't, yeah. Assume, don't assume they're humans, basically. <clears throat> um, certainly, um, if you, this, is, this is the office of the Prime Minister of Canada. This is a website for the... It's basically the Office of the Prime Minister of Canada. And do a search for... Allocation of peace. Or allocation. Okay, so this, this is basically updates from Justin Trudeau, basically. And it's um, what's been going on. At the top of the page it says, Canada announces additional support for Ukraine. And then there's a list of the different uh, funding. And here we'll see allocation... Um, for allocation of peace, security, and stabilization funding, building counter-nuclear smuggling capabilities in Ukraine. Oh, that's very good, counter-nuclear smuggling capabilities. But down below that, you have gender-inclusive demining for sustainable futures in Ukraine. <laughs> and this is $4 million from Ottawa, the people of Ottawa, um, paid for on their behalf by Justin Trudeau to, Ukraine, to somebody, I don't know, I don't know who's going to get it for Ukraine. This is a project from the Halo Trust aims to safeguard the lives and livelihoods of Ukrainians really good, yeah, including women and internally displaced persons, okay, by addressing the threat of explosive ordnance present across the vast areas of the country. Project activities include conducting non-technical surveys and subsequent manual clearance in targeted communities, providing capacity building to key national stakeholders, and establishing a gender and diversity working group to promote gender transformative mine action in Ukraine. Oh my God. <laughs> Oh my God! What is? Can anybody explain what gender transformative mine action? It's under the my the ages of demining, so I suppose mine action means removing mine. But what is gender transformative demining? I have an idea, but I'm almost afraid to say it. Is that how? Is that a fast way to have gender reassignment surgery? Yeah, like so you sit on a mine. Yeah, if you're feeling <clears throat> like a bit queer and unsure of who you are. Step a bit clear in the old in the old use of that term. I mean, yeah, yeah, ahead. yeah. But if you're unsure, you're you're just not sure. You know, you're on the fence. Well, if you join Canada's demining program in Ukraine, mm. they'll push you in front of the mine, and now a decision's made. Push you onto the mine. <laughs> My God, I just these people. I so I mean. You said they. It's, it's a virus, and it's, said it's, they. We can't assume the elites. You know, the ruling classes, um, genders, or, or, or species, or humanity, or anything like that. Uh, and yeah, they 
Justin Trudeau being, I suppose, one of their one of their whipping boys, um, one of their advocates, is um, he himself is promoting giving money from government coffers, i.e., taxpayers' money, to promote gender transformative mine action. So, yeah, you can read a lot into that in terms of, you know, I don't know. Red Fox says, yeah, it's they from They Live. That movie really is, like, prescient. It's it's not far off. No. <laughs> we just don't know how many of them there are, you know? Mm. Very strange. Anyway, they're definitely all about gender transformative mine, demining op- operations. So Trudeau. You know, he was in Ukraine last week. Yeah. Maybe that's very frequently. He that's was he was escorting. He seems to be with her a lot these days. Von der Leyen. They they get on like a house on fire, those two. Yeah. Um yeah, he was there for the that ceremony I mentioned at the Hostomel Airport. Which, you know, in their narrative has been transformed into a glorious victory when mm-hmm. it wasn't. It was a total failure. Um, and it was only retaken by Ukraine when Russians voluntarily left uh, mm-hmm. Kiev region. Um, <clears throat> so he was there. Maybe this is part of the package. Who knows? They have ongoing. That looks like it was draft, probably drafted before that, but... Yeah, it's an ongoing thing in Canada. It's, yeah, it's gender transformative it's stuff. Obviously, the woke, the wokery <coughs> angle to it's you know just well that's being replicated everywhere. Well, but but the, the, I mean, the sheer extent of their commitment to Ukraine is it's still you know it's been it's been encroaching. It's been growing over the Canada's years. Canada's had a thing with Ukraine for a very long time. A lot of Ukrainians went to uh, Canada after I don't know. I think after the Second World War and stuff. But I mean, over the years since then, and then after the follow the Soviet Union and stuff they, a lot of it has a big Ukrainian population I remember talking to some an Irish guy actually you know, originally Irish lived in Canada for a long time when the whole Ukraine thing started an older guy and he uh, he wouldn't hear a word about it like about uh, Russia is evil and what, for what they're doing to Ukraine you know but just because and he has no connection to Ukraine except that he's surrounded or he's aware of there being a large Ukrainian we probably know some Ukrainian people and stuff a large Ukrainian population in, in Canada you know so Canada is very Ukraine is close to their hearts, you know. Um, so it's so weird for, for there's such a mild mannered people in general. It's just a stereotype of Canadians, yeah. And they have this hardcore Nazi like. I know we don't be turning them all the same brush, Neil. Well, Canada has it's it has the most Nazi war memorials on earth, surviving. Oh, Canadians, you mean? Yeah. They're no, 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 they're, they're Ukrainians. They're Ukrainians who fought with the SS, you know, stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Of course, that's fiasco in the parliament. Canada normally keeps it in check, mm. but that thing at the parliament uh, last fall was when it slipped a bit. But it's a secret everyone in that room knew mm-hmm. that for the last 80 years they've been nursing. Mm-hmm. this. And the ostensible reason was to keep the Soviet... USSR in check, mm. but um, obviously that's long gone. So yeah. why still nurse it? Because of a lot of Ukrainian nationals who like that kind of thing. I mean, they're they're what their deputy prime minister, whose granddad yeah. was a Nazi. Exactly. Like, well, there's no. It's not a surprise that she's there. Like, I mean, that's indicative of of, of the Ukrainian presence in Canada. You know, um, the fact that their deputy prime minister is is Ukrainian, effectively, um, it's not by accident. You know. Um, 
This is, uh, speaking of Ukraine, this is Vogue, our cover of Vogue magazine. See if you notice anything about, uh, it's Vogue Ukraine, I think, or I think it's Vogue Ukraine, I hope it is anyway. Um, these are two covers, or two inserts, whatever, from a spread they did on Ukraine today, as you can see. And you may notice something there. Obviously, it's, you know, militaristic, it's, it's promoting the military. But can you tell her? It's a conscription drive. Uh, can you tell them? Enlistment though? drive for women. Good job, Neil. Good job. Yeah. Good good spotting there. Yeah. <coughs> Those are two women on the front. <coughs> uh, I'm glad you weren't automatically assuming their gender, but yes, they are women. <coughs> and um, they um, are clearly promoting in a nice, nice way. Well, happy face on the left. Ginger girl. Not so happy. Maybe gingers aren't that happy anyway. No, as a rule, so as a general rule. <clears throat> so anyway, that's that's the happiest face you could put on yeah, as a ginger. I can, anyway, I can relate. It's the establishment, effectively the the meme that is out there. That uh, it's part. It's, well, there's a whole story behind that, obviously, which is that uh, the Ukrainian military has been decimated. Uh, poss- quite quite a little. Well, actually, m- much more than decimated. Because literally decimated just means ten percent. It's more like ninety percent or eighty percent of the armed forces of Ukraine are probably out of action. You're talking four hundred plus thousand dead, and that's a ten to one ratio with Russia. So of course they're going to need. <coughs> Zelensky says he older has eight hundred thousand. Huh? Zelensky says he claims he has eight hundred thousand troops. He's got eight hundred. Yeah. yeah. Well, if you include ginger ladies and stuff, then maybe the uh, Russians have videos of old. capturing a lot of women now. Yeah. Um, more and more, yeah. Videos come out showing female soldiers' graves uh, in those ma- mass cemeteries. Mm-hmm. Numbers, who knows? It'll be years before. Yeah, we can be fairly. There's there's fairly reliable statistics, I think, uh, on the on the overall ratio and the uh-huh. on the ballpark figure. Which well, is probably somewhere between four or five hundred thousand. That's about four hundred thousand dead, plus the rest. Um, a, a bigger number obviously injured or out of action in general you know but I don't know if it was coincidence but when I mentioned last week that we had a reliable-ish figure for Ukrainian casualties no mm-hmm. for for Russian casualties and specifically only KIA so killed there was the anti Putin regime Russian media in collaboration with the BBC came up with a figure of 45 46,000 mm-hmm. based on obituaries and it was sound you know it was reasonable analysis they showed their thinking their method mm-hmm. well the next day after our last show Shoigu gave a kind of press statement at his command bunker somewhere um, and gave the figure of 440,000 Ukrainian casualties at first I went holy smokes thinking assumed he said that 440,000 Ukrainians have been lost and I my brain just made a leap I assume that he meant KIA, but I think he meant in total. That includes wounded. Um, wounded as in not coming back, but... Yeah. Um, Killed or wounded, yeah. Which is an interesting... That blew, blew me away because that is that is the 10 to 1 ratio that's been discussed in Western mm-hmm. media, but it's reversed. Yeah. It's Ukrainian to Russian, not mm-hmm. the other way around. Mm-hmm. Absolutely crazy. Yeah, there's been there's plenty of there's quite a few there's a number of other sites that are, are kind of fairly unimpeachable. They're not just making stuff up, and they they've been tracking Ukrainian dead and 
and, and, and injured, basically taken out of the equation uh, over the past, over, really over, since the beginning, and they've been consistent all throughout it, and they've put it at over 400,000. Um, so that's been that's been well known, you know what I mean? Okay, sure, sure go didn't break anything new there. No. No. Um. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we've been talking about it before anyway, like, you know, as, as, a, as the number mounted, it was always a 10 to 1, right from not long after the beginning, it was a 10 to 1, 8 to 10 to 1 ratio from the beginning. Uh, and that hasn't changed. There's, in fact, it's probably got a bit higher in recent in recent months, you know. Uh, so, You know that guy, um, he tracks the war closely, almost daily videos. Hmm. History Legends is his YouTube name. Hmm. Young lad, Eastern European, short black hair. Uh, hello, my friends. Hmm. He's got a Russian accent. I'm not sure if he's Russian. But he's very, very neutral. He's mil- very good at Military summary? Military summaries yeah. of what's going on. Military summary, it's called, yeah. he, he broke out of his usual daily battle analysis to give a video about the constant reference he's seeing in Western media to Russia's human wave attacks. Mm-hmm. And one paper he pointed out was even calling them zombie-like mm-hmm. <laughs> human wave attacks. And this is yeah. repeated ad nauseum, especially around the current clearing of Avdiivka. And he noticed it again earlier with Bakhmut. Mm. And so yeah. he did, okay, hold on, pause, stop. Let's look at you know what the best evidence we can. He said, if anything is the opposite, the Russians and the Ukrainians on the other side of, of the Russian artillery barrages are complaining about it. They say they get into firefights and they never see the Russians. Mm-hmm. And they're more likely to be protected in vehicles, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. A human wave attack has roughly a definition. What, what it's meant to be is that You've insufficient vehicles or artillery or other weaponry, mm-hmm. so you just charge forward, like en masse, and hopefully that a spread of numbers will force the enemy to have to pick who they're going to kill. Mm-hmm. If anything, it's the other way around. It's the Ukrainians who don't have the means to protect themselves. Mm. So that's just another one of those mm. characterizations, little lies said repeatedly ad nauseum about Russia that it would actually be applicable But well, we've been saying from the very Ukraine. beginning okay we kind of got it slightly um, we didn't we weren't exactly on the on the ball at the beginning when we were of the opinion uh, well it's, so it's over two years ago now or around this time two years ago um, that um, what did we say well we were we were, we were laughing at the uh, we were making fun in a certain sense of the incessant at that point that had been going on for a couple of months, almost daily statements from the Western media and Western governments that Russia is going to invade, Russia is going to invade, Russia is going to invade. And we were like, dude, we've heard this one before, you know. Uh, we don't see any clear sign that that's going to happen. That's because we heard it all through 2014 and it never happened. Yeah, well, but it's also because, yeah, but it's also because... Because they were we mischaracterizing the... Donbass resistance as a Russian invasion. Yeah, but this was this was it was separate. We knew that they, we knew that they, the Russians were amassed on, on on the border, had yeah. built up troops in the border and all that kind of stuff. But they were there for quite a long time, and uh, we were just you know laughing at the incessant you know shrill. And there was a one statements pa- about, about them going to invade any day, any day now, any day now, any day now. They're going to invade. There was even one paper that said it's happened, mm. and they had to retract it. Yeah. Mm. So, um, yeah. But apart from that, 
um, as soon as the actual invasion, but, and it was only a special military operation anyway, it wasn't an invasion, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, uh, we, it's, uh, we've been obviously watching it, you know, on a daily basis for most of the time and, you know, talking about it every week and um, the media reporting, the Western media reporting and government reporting on this conflict has been nothing but lies and, you know, inversions of the truth, very often literal, as you were just saying, literal inversions of the truth. Why are you laughing? <laughs> I'm laughing at a comment about the demining in Canada. Mm. Can you see you see the YouTube comments? Look at the top one from Thor. <laughs> Canada gives Ukraine four million for gender inclusive demining. It usually takes balls to demine, but in Ukraine, and thanks to Canadian donations, it's also okay if you don't have them. <laughs> yeah, that should be part of the promotion. That might be part of the promotional uh, literature, uh, trying to get uh, to make a gen. What, what do they call it? Transgender inclusive or transgender, whatever. Trans inclusive diverse trans diversity. I don't know. It's complicated. Anyway, um, so yeah, you're saying that, um, yeah, we were surprised that it actually happened. Then, I suppose, like many others who were more uh, more objective about the likely outcome of this, mm-hmm. were thinking the Russians will make you know short shrift of this. Mm-hmm. Um, Ukraine doesn't stand a chance. That still holds true. However, what we didn't know, and what is still ongoing, I, I was getting to this earlier, is just how far is the U.S.-led West prepared to go to make sure Russia doesn't succeed with its SMO, mm-hmm. whatever success looks like for the Russians. Mm-hmm. Because this is still, we still haven't plumbed the depth of this. Every week we think we have, and then we haven't. So on Monday, you mentioned it because it was connected with the farmers' protest issue that Macron had promised French farmers who were trying to chase him out of the agricultural fair in Paris a couple of weeks ago, and that he promised them, don't worry, we're all going to get together Monday, Monday just gone, mm-hmm. and discuss the solution to your farming issues by doubling down on the war in Ukraine. <laughs> so what happened? Well, he turned, at the level of words, he turned full Napoleon. So he hosted EU leaders at a, quote, it was in English, the banner behind him, at the Elysee Conference in Support of Ukraine, and finished it up by announcing that he's not ruling out sending in at least French, if not NATO, collective forces in uniform to fight Russia. At least France and the Baltics did. Everyone else has since backed down. Um, so you might say, well, okay, he spoke out of turn, you know, Schultz and the White House then said, whoa. Well, no, Tuesday, next day, Macron then said he is specifically considering sending special forces into Ukraine in order to, quote, create a strategic dilemma for Russia. Mm. Um, and then he had more to say um, on Wednesday asked by his own press corps in Paris are you sure you're uh, are we saying the right things here I mean our own allies aren't so sure about how far we're going with this he said every one of the words that I say on this issue is weighed thought through and measured but there are, the French already have special forces in, in Ukraine that's the thing 
what the, what's he what's he hinting at there? He's it, it, is it? We're already there, but mm-hmm. officially they're not because the tide is turning. Um, because there's no more weapons for Ukraine, no more money for Ukraine, as we're seeing um, in the US in particular. And if, if the US isn't doing it, then other countries aren't going to do it on their own. If, if European country, if Europe, European countries don't have the US at their back, then they're turning to Quisling, the Quislings that they are, the overt Quislings that they are. So um, they have changed. Their, the basic assessment of, of the situation is that it's going all going wrong, Inspector. It's you know things are going to get a lot worse for the Ukrainians. They're they're going to lose more land. They're going to lose more the remaining troops that they have, um, and with that, there's a chance that um, you know there'll be more heat taken and more problems for for the existing NATO personnel that are in Ukraine and at the same time they're, 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 they're planning to shore up because I think they're envisioning uh, an end game in the next within the next six six months let's say uh, where Russia takes more land takes a bigger chunk of Ukraine Ukraine capitulates the West you know capitulates and stuff and they need to put people in there to uh, to shore up the part of Ukraine that they're going to take. Ukraine, is, this has all been a process of dividing up Ukraine between, uh, between, and West. between Russia and, and the West, basically, while making a load of money and getting rid of your old arms supplies in the process, you know. And the Ukrainians, I mean, do you could say... Do, all, do you all, think all, that's the real, where the rubber hits the road, that's the real politic for the West? They yeah. don't want, we don't want Russia taking all of it. Yeah, and they wouldn't. That's they would. how they see it. Yeah, I don't think something. they would take it all, maybe up to the river or something. So it'll be divided roughly down the middle. Um, they've done this before, like in the Second World War, you know, they yeah, divided Vietnam, up Europe. Yeah, Vietnam, Korea. Well, they divided up Europe, right? Uh, the Europe, of course. Yeah, and yeah, in, in the start of the Cold War. So there's just, you know, it's just the Cold War playbook, playbook being rolled out here. And it's just business, you know, it's just history. It's, we've done this before, let's do it well, again. Uh, and the French Prime Minister has again, I, I mentioned it last week, I think he has again said something about how we absolutely can't lose this or our economy is hammered. For some reason, they're doing the numbers on this, and Ukraine is a must economically. Part of Ukraine, keeping part of Ukraine. Yeah, I think that's what they're talking about. You know, uh, in the end game and the. But the I mean, how did they it. succeed economically before they had I access know. to Ukraine? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like Western capitalism just has to consume, or it's dead. Mm. It, it well, can't. That's what they say it can't grow in itself. It, what, it but just needs to keep pushing. There's a lot of blaming of, of, of Russia, as you know. Uh, <laughs> a lot of blaming of blaming of Russia. Um, has been for a long time. Russia's been responsible for everything, right? Uh, this is this is this young guy who's shunted in, Macron's batty boy friend. Um, Joe. Sorry, uh, what's his name? Anyway, um, uh, Varane, uh, for, foreign no. minister. No. Uh, Scroll up. Just, uh, anyway, he's a foreign minister. I can't even remember his name. He's thirty-five or something like that. He, he's the guy, this is the guy who um, became French foreign minister recently. Has no political experience really. His his experience relating to foreign affairs is that he lived in Spain for a while over the border in from France, so he knows what France looks like from the outside. That's what Stéphane he Sejourné. Stéphane Sejourné. He'll be sejournéing for uh, a. Very short time, I think. But anyway, um, he'll be déjeuner. Here he is. 
on the radio recently, and I'll, it's only short, but, but you'll get the gist of it, and then I'll explain what he says afterwards. La Russie aujourd'hui nous attaque. Ouais, voilà. Alors, sur le volet informationnel, sur le volet informatique, on est dans une situation de fragilité avec la préparation des élections européennes, avec la préparation des Jeux Olympiques, et la France ne permettra pas d'attaquer servi nos services publics, nos transports, nos hôpitaux. Et imaginez deux minutes que nous n'ayons plus d'hôpitaux euh, dans la région parisienne, que les transports s'arrêtent à cause des attaques informatiques euh, de la Russie. Tout ça fait que la Russie... Anyway, so he obviously rants on about that for a while, but uh, that's just that short, short snippet. And basically he's saying that uh, we're under attack by Russia right now uh, from an information point of view and from a digital like, computer, you know, cyber. Cyber, cyber point of view. Uh, he says uh, we're, there's, there's danger areas in terms of the European elections, which aren't really that meaningful. But anyway, that's what he's talking about. Uh, obviously, Russia could hack the European elections or something like that and let in the far right uh, get the far right in by, by, by hacking the election because oh. you just hack an election right as we all know that Russia hacks an election right I mean they, the very term hack an election means is, is, is complete uh, it's completely moronic doesn't mean anything I hacked an election what do you mean hacked an election an election is someone going to a place physical place and putting a piece of paper in a thing but no you can hack the elections uh, suppose okay digitally cyber attack you can change the results whatever but Russia would hack European elections and all the right wing parties would get in into Europe and they're all pro-Russian obviously because right wing is pro-Russia um, and he also said that um, the other thing is that France, Maloney, isn't France is preparing for yeah France is preparing for the Olympic Games this summer and Russia could do something to the Olympic Games in some way or other as well and then he just threw in there imagine for a minute that in the Parisian area of 11 million people imagine suddenly well, there's no hospitals he just just imagine just imagine let me take you on an imaginary uh, a scary imagination experience right now imagine for a moment that there's no hospitals in all of the Parisian region what would happen well how would you feel about that you'd feel very bad well see that bad feeling that bad feeling is caused by Russia do you understand <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, now, let me throw in some more scary things imagine you know suddenly you wake up and Your car's been stolen in the morning. You have no car. Russia. You getting the feeling now? Yeah. Now imagine yeah, your yeah. dog has been stolen, your beloved dog, gone. Mm. You getting the feeling? Build it up there. Come on. Yeah. Bring, bring it up. You Let know, it rise up within you. Now, it's that feeling. Hold on to that feeling. <laughs> now, associate that feeling with Russia and you're getting my message. <laughs> Do you understand that? So you just threw in like uh, hospitals. Imagine your hospitals are gone. Russia. Imagine the, the Olympic Games. I don't know. Uh, a plague during the Olympic Games. Russia. Imagine uh, the European elections totally won by the far right and then you have Nazi Nazis come back. Russia. So we're under attack right now from Russia in all these different ways. These very detailed ways that I clearly explained to you just now. <laughs> uh, uh, and all the ways that it would happen. So just feel that for me. F f stay with me and feel it and then, um, and then we'll move on. Thanks. That's all I wanted to say. I should, you know, be, I should it, be the foreign minister, front. It anyway, reminds uh, me of the the way the the, <clears throat> the worst SJWs um, equate physical attack with uh, microaggressions, mm. with insults, with words. Russia's attacking us. I mean, they have actual forces killing Russians, including civilians in southeastern Ukraine, mm. now Russian. And they see that... 
so we're being attacked in a propagandistic way slash cyber digital way by Russia. So they consider that a fair fight. That's that's equal. Yeah. Well, it is. And then we have to... No, it's not. It's well, it is. Neil, it isn't. Imagine Russia takes out all one your... Is, one is actual war and the other is fantasy. Yeah, but Russia takes out all your hospitals. Yeah, but that's not even remotely happened. I took... I can take out all your hospitals. Like, they won't be there anymore. This reminds me of the I meme can, I saw this week. Someone said uh, JFK's... The assassination has been solved, and they cleverly altered a photo of the limo in mm. Dealey Plaza, and you you can see Putin Putin walk away. Yeah, so. he's there. Um, <laughs> Russia could direct an energy weapon in your hospitals, and they'd just disappear. They'd evaporate. Space nukes. They'd, they'd dustify with this. The space nukes would dustify all your hospitals. Then what are you going to do? Huh? Think you're smart, don't you? Well, you're not. You need to hate Russia more. Look, um, this is the same Macron who said in 2019, and he got in trouble for it, that NATO is brain dead. Yeah. It's clinically dead. What are we still doing with NATO? This is the same Macron who said as late as last year that we need an EU army because otherwise we're controlled by NATO, i.e. Washington. Yeah. All it takes is a year, and he's suddenly more of a war shell. His advisors came along and said, look, those are good ideas, right? We like them and all that kind of stuff, but actually we don't. We hate those ideas. So, And you don't want to be talking about those ideas anymore because here's the reason. And they don't give him a reason. In fact, what they give him is a picture of him in one of the French islands in the Caribbean in a, in a male uh, prostitute brothel, sweaty, naked, surrounded by locals. So, local young men... And then they say, here's the reason Can, why we don't want you to do in that. In this day and age, are people still blackmailed by that? I mean, we've got like actual... Are they still? What do you mean? For sure. Absolutely. That's how, but, the, but, that's uh, how the world but runs. gay is normal now. Huh? Gay is normal. Uh, no, not if you're hiding it. Not if you're president and uh. you're, you're pretending all along that you're married to your granny. And, uh, and, and you're gone that far to pretend to people that you're actually married to this, 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 this little old granny. Um... Okay. That you're actually a young, virile, heterosexual male and that you're married to a woman who's 30 years older than you. And was your drama teacher. And was your drama teacher. You and that, yeah, uh, that your whole history there is, yeah. I mean, he, it's obvious that Macron is homosexual and what's strange is that he wouldn't just be honest about it, but he obviously has, in, some, yeah, he has, some, he has some kind of a hang-up about it and he's, he's doubled down on it, like he's not going to back out now, you know, I suppose. Uh, because, well, in this day and age, it's fine, but that's only if you come into the whole political scene and you've already admitted it. He hasn't done the that. The leader of the opposition, i.e. the real, op- well, <laughs> we can debate that, Florian Philippot, mm. Philippot, he's been, you know, leading all the marches against the COVID lockdowns mm. and shit. He's openly gay. Is he married? I don't know. No. Openly gay. Yeah. I know. There's nothing wrong with being openly gay, but you have, to, you have to come into it as that. Right. You can't have denied it your whole life. Got married. It must do things to your head. And then the trajectory of Macron these these years. Because like I just it, said, a year ago he was talking rationally about. He comes out now. That'll be the end of it. So did he just have a flaky week or something? What Macron? Yeah. That's what I was thinking until on Thursday. Blackmail. Lloyd Austin. He's still going. Well, he's he's back. It back at the office the second time. Um, maybe it was before Congress a during a U.S. House Armed Services Committee hearing. Um. 
He said that Putin won't stop if his forces prevail against Ukraine. Well, we've heard that before. Hmm. <clears throat> Frankly, he said, if Ukraine falls, I genuinely believe NATO will be fighting Russia. So it's not just Macron. This is what I'm wondering, like, how far do they have to go with this? We've always said, nah, they'll never do mad. Because if it gets to a hot war, direct war, um, that's where it's going to go quickly. And the Russians keep warning them about that. Putin did again this week in his Which State of the Union speech. <clears throat> NATO will, you didn't say the US, NATO would be again. Would, would oh. be in, you might get a few Estonians. Maybe they'll push Estonians. You get Estonians, Latvians, maybe a few Finns, maybe, probably not though, but uh, a few Baltic nutbags, uh, crazies from the Baltics, rapidly anti People have just absorbed the, the, the ones who have absorbed most of the propaganda and believed it. They'll get them to go maybe. But I doubt you'd get much in the way of uh, support from, from, you know, just from the average rank and file French soldier or Spanish soldier or Italian soldier or German soldier to turn around and go to war with the Russians. I don't think it's going to happen. Did you see the, the leaked audio of four German generals discussing yeah. how and when to blow up yeah, the Crimean Bridge? Using the Taurus uh, German uh, cruise missiles, yeah. Yeah, well, of course. But that's, I mean, They've am I been surprised? That. Yeah, they've been doing that already. I mean, um, they've been doing that all the way through this actually, entire conflict. They've been using Western cruise missiles, uh, what do you call them, storm shadow, the British cruise missiles. That, that, I mean, this is weird, you know what I mean? Because it was, it's openly, openly admitted that, or, or, or accepted that British storm shadow, so-called storm shadow cruise missiles, were fired at uh, and, and hit a submarine, I think, in a dry dock in Crimea. And that's just one example. I mean, there's probably been many other examples of any uh, most of those attacks on shipping in uh, in Crimea, either at sea or in at, at one of the bases, have all been Western cruise missiles. Uh, the Russians have known it. Of course, they make try and make hay with it whenever they get this leaked conversation, which is proof. You know what I mean? But it's kind of like, do I really need proof? Okay, you use it to try and make your case even more. But for us, like in terms of getting a read on what's going on, the fact that the Germans, <laughs> there's, a, there's an audio tape of the Germans discussing about, you know, hitting the Crimean Bridge with a cruise missile is... Yes, but it's having a... Maybe this is why it was leaked. I presume Russians recorded this and leaked it. Mm. Um, it's having an effect inside Germany because yeah. Scholz has spent all week distancing himself from Macron and saying, no, no, there'll never be a direct conflict with Russia. Yeah. Then there's a leak that four of his generals are plotting how to destroy the Crimean Bridge, yeah. quote, not because it's particularly strategic militarily, but because politically. I, that's why Putin built the bridge, to show yeah. the connection between Crimea and the Russian mainland. Yeah. So let's hit it. Yeah. But, I mean, what, what difference does it make that you have an audio recording? They know it already. They have an audio <laughs> recording. It has an effect inside Germany. It can be used for propaganda purposes. But practically speaking, it's not going to change the equation. It's like Russia goes, oh, my God, now we know. We didn't know beforehand, but now we know that Germany is directly, you know, helping Ukraine or aiding and abetting or direct, has a direct hand in targeting uh, Russian uh, resources in this conflict. <gasps> We're shocked. We never knew that was the case. What are we going to do? Russia will never be shocked, no. No, but it doesn't change policy at all, right? Well, it hasn't, yeah, like I said, it's, no, no, it doesn't. It doesn't change the current regime's policy, no. but it creates... A problem for the Germans, which is why they promote it. creates more support for the AFD in Germany yeah. for subsequent elections. Um, 
just on that note, like you say, this is not any surprise, but the only difference here is that the British Times doesn't mind boasting. Is it a boast about it anymore? Um, how head of the armed forces of British Army is secretly, secretly <laughs> helping Ukraine with battle plans. This, this show is my behind a paywall. Usual. There's the headline helped. anyway. Uh, Admiral Sir Tony Radican has postponed his retirement as Chief of the Defence Staff by a year to continue offering advice to Ukraine. Yeah. But then, I mean, you're talking, anybody who talks about this, like, if they were talking to this kind of stuff, talking about this kind of stuff to us, they would have to realize they're talking about people, talking to people who have it as a working assumption that Lloyd Austin was nearly killed in Ukraine by a Russian missile and probably deliberately targeted because they knew he was there incognito. I mean, there, there's a facade here of, oh, what's going on in Ukraine? There's a reality behind the scenes, which is like they're, they're taking out each, trying, attempting all the time to take out each other's top military personnel. And as long as they can cover that up, then everything's fine. So they're having a, they're having a real hot war in a certain sense with each other, at least in terms of targeting, you know, not face-to-face or invading each other's countries, but in Ukraine, everything is game. You know, um, everything is, is, is fair play. And if, if the average person knew that, they would think, oh, my God, this... All, there's, all, people have been talking all along about how this is going to... You know, nuclear war. Yeah. Your man, Kim.com, really liked it for a long time there and still is. He's telling everybody to go to New Zealand in the Northern Hemisphere because no, cause the Northern Hemisphere is going to be turned into a nuclear wasteland any right. time now because this is going to... It should have, by his estimate, estimation, it should have already ended up in, as a nuclear war. It should all be dead already, right? Um, but so there's a lot of things that have happened and been going on. If people were, the public were privy to it, they, they're the things that they would have thought would have immediately precipitated a nuclear exchange. Yeah, they and have. they've already happened. Right. We've already had, <clears throat> yeah, French special forces in Ukraine. We've already had top generals killed in Ukraine. Yeah. Uh, I mean, all the red lines. All the, the red, red lines, red lines that they announce are bullshit. That's for propaganda purposes. But still, right. it's kept fairly contained to Ukraine, I guess. Yeah, no one's assassinating anyone. Well, the, the, they're using Ukraine to attack Russia. That's considered fair game as well, even though they're more like terrorist attacks hmm. against civilian targets in Russia. But that's under the guise of, well, they're just defending themselves from invasion. So mm-hmm. you saw the CIA um, hit, hit, not a hit piece, but a puff piece in the New York Times last week as well. Um, again, disclosing what we knew, but. They talked about 12 CIA bases in or near the Russian border in Ukraine. Um, one of them was supposedly destroyed on the surface, but there's a whole underground section that survives. And the Times journalists interviewed people working under it. So they got in there. If they know where it is, mm-hmm. the Russians surely do too. Mm-hmm. The Russian response to that was the head of the FSB said, yeah, we know. Mm-hmm. And there were a lot more than 12 of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Do you see, throw up that Telegraph article there. Um, this was just on the Russian thing that we were talking about a minute ago. Um, where is it? There it is. 
Now this again is news to anybody, but it's here it is in the Telegraph a couple of days ago. Uh, revealed how Putin plans to flood the West with migrants. Just in case you're wondering, uh, if you were wondering or if you're noticing how your country, countries in near where you live, whatever in the West, somewhere, there's been a lot of immigration, mass immigration. Now you know it's been revealed by the Telegraph that Putin does it. So, I mean, it's kind of hard because you'd think that all of the, the trolling that they get, they don't. people like this who write this stuff obviously don't keep up with the, the amount of trolling that this idea has got over the past, yeah. well, longer than this, this conflict in Ukraine. Back to 2016 and Russia being accused of, um, you know, interfering in the US election and all that kind of stuff. I mean, <laughs> they just have so little social awareness, I suppose, or social media awareness or the pulse of the population via social media because, they I don't, mean, almost everybody with any sense uses that as, oh, Russia did it, you know, yeah. Russia, Russia ate my homework teacher, sorry, you know, um, anything bad that happens, Russia did it. And then they still put out bullshit like this, like, I mean, when, Like, there's official government policy over the past five, six, seven, going back to 2015, European and American, which we're talking about government policy, of having a surge, surging, as Biden called it, surging immigrants into the country, both in Europe and the US, in European countries and the US, public statements by politicians of bringing in large amounts of immigrants of different types. And yet this guy can turn around and say that Putin's done. Just because Putin, because Putin, I mean, how ignorant do you have to be? How much of a moron do you have to be to actually pen a piece that tries to make the claim that Russia is behind immigration to Europe when it's been official government policy in, in Europe and in the US? It, is it migrants? just Europe or, or are they, they swinging the US as well in that article? I'm scanning through it now. Yeah, it, it no, seems it says to be just Europe. Europe. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, because Europe's closer, right? Obviously, they make the case for Europe. Supposedly, it's because Wagner is now up working well it's been in Africa a while <clears throat> Telegraph has now seen intelligence documents detailing plans for Russian agents to set up a 15,000 man strong border police force comprising former militias in Libya to control the flow of migrants okay maybe and but the the, the next paragraph is just a one-liner. It says, It comes as migration is set to be a key issue in the general election. Presumably they mean the British general election, which has not been declared yet, but it's, it's coming. More on that in a minute. Um, so, yeah. I think I know where they're going with that. It's, it's going to be... Well, no, it's, like you, it's like the French foreign minister in the, in the, in the, in the clip in the radio interview he did. Um, they're talking about all these things that can go wrong in the country and they're setting Russia up to yeah. at least in advance of it happening because when those kind of things happen obviously if all the hospitals were taken out in the Parisian area uh, they might try and blame Russia but quickly it would be revealed that it was some other cause or the Olympic Games what, what might happen to the Olympic Games I don't know hack the Olympic can I hack the Olympic Games and make all the Russian athletes win <laughs> well they, they won't be there they're no they're allowed to be there but they're just not allowed to flag yeah. uh, so They'll hack the hack the Olympics. That's what you have to try and understand. I'd love to ask that guy, the foreign French foreign. What do you mean, hack the Olympics? Are you talking about hacking the Olympics? Obviously, or just a vague threat to the Olympics? 
but in hacking the Olympics, what could happen? Are they going to put Russian flags in all the, all, all the Russian competitors to reinstate their flag or maybe make them win? You know, you change the rankings and put Russia at the top of them all. So we're directly under attack from Russia here, you know, in the Olympics. They may try and... Um, because if he's not... If it's not that that he's saying, you'd hope it's not just that that he's saying, obviously. <clears throat> you'd hope that it's something more serious, the fact that he's <coughs> sounding an alarm over, over, like, the Olympics, for example, that there's something bigger, right? Uh, but he doesn't say what they could do, what Russia could do to to interfere with the Olympics. Something bad might happen at the Olympics. What if it's like a, a you know, a, a, a bioweapon is released at the Olympics or a terrorist attack? Would that be Russia too? Maybe. Who knows? Whoa. Who knows? They blamed China last time. <clears throat> Blame China for what? The Kung flu. Yeah. So this time Russia. Maybe. That would be the most consistent with their overall narrative making since since 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Have the country that effectively ended the COVID nonsense be the one that started the next one at the Olympics just because they're barbarians. Mm. <clears throat> but I think the angle on it here, at least the internal angle for the Brits, hence the Telegraph is doing this, it comes as migration is set to be a key issue in the general election. What general election? The British one. So migration, remember, that was, was key the key unspoken issue. key issue in Brexit. Um... It was that summer, 2015, 2016, streams of people walking across fields in Europe. That's what caused Brexit, mm. the, the, the swing in the vote for even the EU. <clears throat> um, but that, so that's going to be that, – that, there's no reason to believe that's any less hot of an issue, especially with the, the boats continuing to go across the channel. To the UK, mm. and now you've got this week a by-election that took place in the UK. That saw George Galloway elected. Now he's not far right. He's a, he's, a, he's far from. He's not. He's kind of the opposite end of political spectrum from Nigel Farage on most things. Mm-hmm. But that evening, maybe we should maybe we should do the maybe we should um, uh explain what happened there first. I'm jumping ahead of myself. Um, so there's a by-election in the UK. That just means that if someone dies or otherwise has to step down from their seat <clears throat> in the UK, they don't wait for the next, um, like in the US. They just ha- call an election just for that seat. So George Galloway ran. He was he was famously part of the uh, member of the Labour Party, but Tony Blair kicked him out because he was anti-war and calling out Blair's bullshit. So Blair Blair had him booted from the party back in fifteen twenty years ago now, um, and he's since run and won for some other party, lost again. But now in his seventies, he's run for the British Workers Party, which is a new party even left of Labour. So um, this is the result in the election this week. The Rochdale by-election, landslide win for George Galloway. If you scroll down, they show the results. It's a small seat. There weren't, you know, it's somewhere in the northwest of England. Um, there's a table. Um, keep going here. Rochdale by-election. 
<clears throat> That's Galloway's result at the top. 40% of the vote share. The next guy was another independent, if you consider Galloway won. He's followed by another independent, David Tully, 21% of the vote. Coming in third is someone from the party that's currently the government, with 12%. Then Labour, who would traditionally win this seat, historically, at 7%, and so on. Combined, the two independents completely trounced the two mainstream parties in the UK. And that is <laughs> that has got them so nervous that, that evening Rishi Sunak was pushed out in front of the cameras for a televised address outside 10 Downing Street. An absolute load of waffle it was, but it's online if you want to find it. 10 minutes in which he's warning. He didn't mention Galloway per se, but he's warning about the rise of, an extreme, of extremism in the UK coming from, he said, Islamists and the far right. That, I think, is what the British have uh, in mind with, with, this com- with, with their election, the, the general election that's coming up. Because mm-hmm. they, this, they know that this is a bellwether for it, and they're shitting themselves. Um, so, th- this thing about extremism and mass migration... Mm-hmm. They're, they're trying to position themselves on how to deal with it this time. Because how they dealt with Brexit was completely cocked up. Mm-hmm. Um, this, this time, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's a similar situation. Very, it's amazing how, how closely they track each other, the United States and the U.S., electorally. It's also election year in the U.S. All things being equal, even the most extreme anti-Trumpers, Victoria Newland's husband know that Trump is going to be president. All things being equal, this November. Mm-hmm. All things being equal in the UK general election, conservatives and Labour are probably hosed. Certainly conservatives, which would be the end for Rishi Sunak, um, for sure, and probably a lot more than that than just him and his interests. So it's, it's uh, any any guesses. On, I don't know. What what can they can't they can't stop this? But they know this is coming. So how do how do you get around that? How do you? They know what's coming. I see a change. Yeah. Don't know if that will be the case or not. You know, I mean, I don't know if you see change. It'll be there'll be some problems. Let's say, but I don't I don't see. I I mean, I don't see the Conservative Party or Labour Party. I see it just switching back to. To staying labor. switching to if it's going to go against the conservatives it'll go back to labor maybe the liberal democrats who have been in power or shared power before whatever but i don't see it there being a, some kind of a, a massive switch but rushy's next speech there was just i mean it was very similar to in, in essence to what the the french foreign minister young guy was saying it's just doom uh you know tidings of doom rather than uh you know, everything's going wrong, our country's in the wrong track, we need to sort it out, we're warning you, you know, there's danger left, right and centre, be afraid, be afraid, be afraid, basically, is what is what they both of them are saying, you know. So it seems to be a theme among amongst the political elite. Um, you know, 
obviously they use it for different reasons at different times, but that seems to be the uh, the general the general tone of what they want people to 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 feel and think is is that everything's horrible, everything's going wrong, it's all going in the wrong direction. Of course, they use it for their own in their own interests when when they can, but and I think it's always in their own interest whenever they're doing that, you know, because they're keeping uh, keeping the people afraid and keeping people down, and you know they see some kind of a they see some kind of a change coming, I suppose. I don't know if they, if anybody can anticipate what kind of change it would be, um, or whether it'll just be. I mean, if if just some political change is going to be enough, you know what I mean, or if it's going to spark some kind of civil war, or who knows, you know. But obviously, the farmers' protests and you know, um, in France in particular, but around Europe, ongoing, um, and the, the war in Ukraine going bad. I think it just gives these people a sense of you know things aren't. Things aren't good for us right now. They, they don't look good. We feel like our power is slipping away. You know, as 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 we engage in more and more corruption, uh, it seems that people pick up on that somehow or other. That we're being more and more corrupt. We're engaging in more and more corruption. And then they become more and more um, outspoken and unhappy. Outspoken against us and unhappy uh, with us, and that makes us get on TV and say things are bad. Things uh, are bad and. War with Russia is inevitable yeah, with our yeah. troops in uniform. And we need to start thinking seriously about conscription. Because remember, for weeks leading up to these statements by Macron and Austin, yeah. they've been drip-feeding this throughout the West. Yeah. Conscription. You're, you're going to war. <laughs> so I'm wondering if the thing so. that they're thinking of doing to off- to postpone the elections, I don't know, overshadow them, whatever, is to... I know it's it's mad because they they'd be risking mad, but these people are so crazy that you wonder if they're trying to signal to the Russians, we'd like to escalate this, but in a controlled manner, a hot war, your guys against ours, but still just in Ukraine, say maybe spilled over a bit, but mostly just in Ukraine, yours in uniform, <coughs> ours in uniform, and, and we just leave it there. Mm-hmm. No, Russia would be. But happy. I mean, Russia, would be okay. well, Russia wouldn't be okay with that. Obviously, they want the conflict in Ukraine to end on favorable ter- favorable terms, or as favorable as possible terms, to them as soon as possible. So, the idea, a proposition that we will continue this conflict for another few years, you know, by supplying a a, a steady stream of, of of troops from NATO countries to to fight, you know, which would imply prolonging the war and also more deaths among Russian. Russian troops. I don't think that would. That's a very enticing uh, offer, uh, at least from the Russian perspective. You know, um, of course they might just go ahead and do it, but um, I don't think Russia would agree to it. But if they can't do anything about it, short of you know Armageddon, um, then they would just have to deal with it. You know. But my question is whether or not you would actually. It would be a bridge too far. I don't think you'd get. There wouldn't be public support. There wouldn't be. There wouldn't be a lot of support in the military for it, and there wouldn't be a lot of support in uh, very little support amongst the population for it. So, I mean, you can't really have a war without without both of those things effectively. If there's strong uh, sentiment against it amongst the military, and, and and even stronger sentiment against it amongst the population of the host country, then well, I don't see it. You're, you're, risk, you're risking political increasing increased political turmoil. If you see political turmoil happening anyway. Because people are discontented with their corruption and the state of politics in, in, in Europe. But they then don't if you go see to war, themselves as corrupt. 
well, they, no, they don't see it, but they, they know there's something wrong. They feel it. They don't, obviously yeah. they can't be honest with themselves, but they feel the discontent among the population uh, and they try to project it, try to give them something to be discontent about. That's why they always talk about external enemies, right? You're going to, and then threaten people, you're going to have to go to war. That, that's just talking up the extent of the external enemy. Whenever the countries feel that there's elite, the, the political elite in any country feels that public attention is, is not favorable towards them, they always seek to provide uh, another threat someone else for the people to worry about or complain about or, or to redirect their focus onto that external threat. Um, but in doing that, which they seem to be doing and have been doing for quite a while, um, I mean, if they pushed it to the point of trying to actually engage, you know, European member uh, military personnel in Ukraine against Russia under the, the flag of each country or under a NATO flag... Uh, and if it was a significant number and it was open, like I said, it was. Uh, I don't think. I think they would just increase. They would, they would get the opposite of what they intend. Basically, the focus would turn back on them. Mm. They think that 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 by putting our boys in harm's way in Russia and having Russia kill some of our troops, whatever, then people say, "Yeah, people in Europe be like, evil Russia. Yeah, you were right all along. Russia is evil." They turn around and say, "What did you send them there for in the first place? Stop the provoking Russia." Thing bunch is, of assholes. thing is, historically, that has always worked. Not anymore. We have to test. They're going to have huh? to test it historically. When Europe has not a war since in, in ninety years, um, Britain, two thousand three, two million people on the streets in London. You're like, there's no way they're going to do it. Once our boys went to Iraq, well, that's, that's, that's they were like, well, I heard, the, I heard the people who were attending those protests turn around and say, well, they're there now. Let's support our boys. Yeah, but that was, that's a different war as well. Uh, that's well, Ukraine's far away. Huh? Ukraine's far away. Russia's not. <laughs> Ukraine's far away from huh? Britain and the US, though. Uh, no, well, geographically, it's it's not real. I mean, it's on the doorstep of Europe, basically. It's a different proposition uh, to the Middle East, which most, you know, the average the average Brit didn't, didn't even know where Iraq was. or And it was a small contingent. And, you know, but there's a, obviously it's, it's the implications of... Uh, having igniting a direct conflict with with the with, whole of your with, standing army with Russia or even part of it. Well, then there's just there's a creep there, and then you're talking about opening the gates of. Well, what, this is the thing we're in. We're in opening, the creep. Like it's creeping and it's getting creepier. Op- yeah, you're talking about <laughs> by open, the week. Even in conventional war, you're talking about opening the gates for like an invasion of European territory of EU territory by uh, by Russian troops. You know what I mean? Actually, it, that happening, what they're claiming all along that Russia was, is planning to do, then provoking it and making it happen. Um, but I, well, I worry that they're cocky, that Russia doesn't have the resources to do that, which may actually, in this case, be objectively the case. Russia does not have the resources to actually take on a sizable NATO army, mm. which dwarfs it in manpower, um, quantity of weapons, maybe not quality. That's up for debate because Russia claims it has super high tech stuff, mm. you know. Um. Putin in his State of the Union um, this week, it's been six years to the, to the day, he does it every year at the same time, six years ago in 2018 he announced these amazing things in development this time, last week he, he said that they're all now in the armed services um, active, you know that was supposed to be a deterrent to the West but it didn't stop they, they have the inertia of believing that, that the larger mass, their larger budgets 
what the Russian military budget's forty billion dollars in equivalent, and the U.S. is, is trillions. Now, combined with other NATO, it's trillions more. Um, <clears throat> yeah, five hundred thousand people versus one hundred fifty thousand people. Mm. In fact, five hundred thousand in Europe plus three hundred and fifty twenty thousand in the United States. You see what I mean? They think in aggregates, and they go, "There's no way they will ever take us on directly." Or if they do, we'll be able to control it, like mm. like we have been able to limit it in Ukraine, sort of thing. Yeah, like, but I think that they're, 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 they're cycles, and they go with the pure numbers without realizing that the kind of provocations. Well, they would be expanding it if they if they put British troops into Ukraine and they're directly engaging. Then that's that's a different ballgame. That's, that's uh, that opens it up. It's a different ballgame. I'm not saying it's going to. It won't lead to necessarily to nuclear. Uh, exchange, but it certainly opens up. Like, for example, okay, now there's actual British troops and British military equipment flying the British flag, attacking Russian positions, held Russian positions. Where are they going to stop? They're going to stop. They're going to attack Donbass. They're going to. If Russia takes more territory, they're going to attack that territory. That's not now Russian territory. So, um, a British, you know, British military or artillery attacks what is officially Russian territory. Uh, then it's like, okay, well, we'll attack. Um, you're attacking. Russian territory. Okay, let's say it's Russian territory in, in Ukraine or it's Donbass or it's Novorossi. It's, it's part of Russian territory, though. It's, it's a Russian base or a Russian installation. Well, then we can attack. Uh, we'll, bomb, we'll bomb your uh, intelligence gathering uh, facility in Cyprus. How's about that? Seems legit, no? Uh, where else have you got installation? Where else have you Brits got installation? Somewhere in Eastern Europe, somewhere in Poland, somewhere in Romania, somewhere in Turkey, somewhere in Turkey, wherever. You know, or, or, or in Europe, but even in Europe, European countries, over the border. There you Estonia. go. Estonia. Uh, we'll blow up some of your bases there. Is that okay? So, you know, that's what you're getting. That's what you're asking for. Mm. You okay with that? And then suddenly European peoples in general are seeing attacks on European countries. We're not attacking, we're not invading Estonia. We're, we're just attacking a British military installation in Estonia. We just blew it up. You all okay with that? I know there's people that live around it, but they were okay. They weren't, no, no, nobody was killed. It was just British military personnel in Estonia were killed. Or we blew up that base in Cyprus, yeah. Uh, uh, and they were all killed. Are you okay with that? You all fine with that now? Because this, this is the next stage. There are, there are stages. We have, there's probably many different stages if you cut them into segments that you yeah. go to. You can escalate, escalate um, well well before any, any threat of nuclear exchange. But it's, it's what price are you willing to, to pay? And what, what is the impact on your population? You know, what is the impact on European populations? Because this idea of Europe, right? Macron is up there speaking for Europe. Von der Leyen is speaking for Europe. We're all Europeans, right? Mm. You know, we're all together. We're all in this together. Attack on one is attack on anybody. You know, right. like Estonia is one country, but next, what, what's next door to Estonia? You know what I mean? You got Ger- Germany, right? Poland, Germany, uh, one step away. You know, and then you've got uh, the local population, the population of Europe. See that there's effectively that with that first attack, there's a first, there's an attack, even though it didn't attack civilians and no Russian invading army. It's an attack on European territory. Everybody's kept it separate now. Ukraine. Just Ukraine. Everybody just keep it contained within Ukraine. Um, and the, the agreement, the unofficial, maybe, or even official agreement, not written down, but, you know, emailed, an email exchange agreement was, you don't attack <coughs> Russian, Russian territory, we keep this in Ukraine. Well, what about Donbass? You've just declared that the four territories in Donbass are Russian territory. Are we allowed to attack those? Well, apparently they are, because they kept on attacking Donbass, even though uh, Russia had declared it. Uh, part of part of Russia, they kept attacking that. Um, so there's, you know, Macron was emphatic 
we will not allow Russia to win, to succeed in Ukraine. What does he mean by succeed in Ukraine? They already have. Right, I know. They're speaking after the horse has bolted. No, but what, what does he mean by that? He must mean something else by that. If he's, obviously, because he's not that stupid, right, where he, where he doesn't know that Russia has taken about 20% of Ukrainian territory uh, and obviously Crimea, and they're not going back. Those are permanently part of Russia now. It has, you know, destroyed a significant percentage or significant uh, a majority of the Russian, of the Ukrainian military force that has been prepared by NATO so it's destroyed most of the NATO force so is that not a success? What did he mean? Well Boris Johnson last week was asked what he meant by that and he says Ukraine must, must take Crimea But that's not going to happen I know but he's But that's, that's how you know he's lying <laughs> That's how you know all of this is lying That's how right. you know when, like, like I would repeat back to you what George Galloway said about Rishi Sunak you know you tell me you say, say to me <laughs> you say to me Macron was emphatic that it's happening like you expect me to be impressed by any th- any emphasis? Do you express? You expect me to be impressed by anything Macron says? Much less what he emphasizes. I'm less impressed by what he emphasizes uh, compared to what he says, just you know, straight up. Because when he emphasizes stuff, I'm really sure he's bullshit. Yeah, right. That he's lying. Yeah. That he's full of shit. So I've, I, I'm, I have no respect for for Emmanuel Macron and anything he says about Ukraine because it's all lies. It's not that I have any significant disrespect for Macron as a person. I just know that he's a politician, and when he's talking about Ukraine in particular, he's lying, like all of the rest of them. Because this entire war has been one fabrication, has one be, been one, uh, you know, it's built on, based on a pack of lies and progressed on a pack of lies, repeated over and over again over the past two years. So when any of them talk emphatically or not about anything about Ukraine, it's a lie, by definition. You really do sound like George Galloway. A pack of lies. Yeah, well, that's what he said it was. But, I mean, obviously it was. But, um, so yeah, I don't care what those people say. I just look at what... I look behind the scenes in a certain sense at what they do. So I was more interested in what that young uh, newbie foreign minister of France was talking about, the, the vague scaremongering threats yeah. to uh, hospitals. You hospitals, hospitals from the Olympics. Like, okay, remove the Russia part. Remove the, remove the Russia cyber attack part. What you're saying is that, if you can even read this far into it, but if he has any intelligence or if his advisors had said to him to mention this possibility, then what are they thinking? And maybe there's some plan to, uh, or something expected that's going to happen that they want to blame on Russia, but will in some way involve a crisis in the hospitals. Or maybe there's there's something planned by someone else, not Russia, to do something at the Olympic Games this this year in in France. Um, and that's what you can glean from that, you know. So uh, these people are just mouthpieces. So I'm only interested in listening to them in order to try and... Their mouthpieces of whatever intelligence spooks... Yeah, I'm trying to infer from to what them. they say the reality behind the scenes because I know they're lying about what they say overtly. Right. And what they tr- they're trying to convince people of, of some narrative and I just blow that narrative away and go, what are you really trying to say? And maybe there's nothing. They're just blowing... It's just hot air. Just blah, 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 blah. But usually you can get... Sometimes anyway, you can get a read... On, on, on something afoot, possibly. So that's what I'm always looking for, is looking for those little nuggets of of, of hints. Nuggets or hints of what's, uh, what might be going on behind the scenes. So, anyway. Um, yeah. Okay, so, so just chillax. No one's going to war. No, oh. don't be, yeah. It's, yeah. Um, here's a, a put, I'll put my pearls away. Stop, stop your clutching. Relax. <coughs> Listen, listen, this is 30 seconds. Listen to uh, 2014. You know, uh, Mearsheimer, 
of Walt and Mearsheimer, the Israel lobby. Yeah, he's great. Someone who, the other dude, Walt, disappeared after they wrote that book together, probably like 15 years ago now. Um, well, he's still and, around, but Mearsheimer is, is just a more... Well, Mearsheimer is, yeah, I mean, he, but the, the, having written the, the book they wrote on, that he co-wrote on the, on the Israel lobby, it obviously shows he has an in-depth understanding of how these things happen behind the scenes. So it shows he has a deep understanding or an objective understanding of itself, uh, geopolitics and how politics works, how global politics works. And here he is in 2014 talking about Ukraine. He's in the process of telling the Ukrainians and the West that they have two choices here. One is they back off, in which case he'll back off, or if they don't back off and they continue to try to integrate Ukraine into the West, he'll wreck Ukraine before he allows that to happen. And that's what he's doing. He's wrecking Ukraine, and he has all the tools to do that. Michael, uh, have I have a different view. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I think yeah. you may I'm have a different view. Um, Shock. And I'd like you anyway, that, to, on, to invite you okay. to. He was, uh, yeah, whatever. He was debating there, uh, Christia Freeland, who we mentioned earlier, the deputy PM of Canada. Deputy PM of Canada, who's Ukrainian, and Mike, Michael McPhail, or McFall. <laughs> he should be called McPhail because he is such a... He's so wrong. He's, such, he's just such an unintelligent person masquerading as an intelligent person. He's a former ambassador, <clears throat> former U.S. ambassador. He's on Twitter. To Russia. Yeah. And he is just... I mean, <laughs> he's just been wrong on absolutely everything. And the ma- the amazing thing about him is that... I don't recommend you check him out on Twitter because he's just a retard. But um, the amazing thing is that... He, no amount of being wrong, and I mean on a multiple times in this every day for the past two years and many years before that, uh, he has been wrong about everything. But it doesn't seem to phase him at all. He doesn't seem to notice. Yeah, there's no how repeatedly he is wrong. There's no embarrassment or well, he can't be embarrassed because he doesn't even notice that he's wrong. You know, someone right. who like you know like I don't know, just you know, he'll spin it to I was right in a way that I didn't even realize. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. You know, I was more right than I could have possibly. It's, it's as bad as like someone just, you know getting. In a it's car, even worse than I said. Getting into a car, driving off ten yards and crashing into a lamppost, and getting out of the car and walking away and not even noticing that they did that. Walking away thinking Putin did that. Or, yeah. Or yeah, that wasn't me. Like like well yeah these people with the mass migration in Libya that we just saw the telegraph project on Russia like we know that they knew that if they took out Gaddafi in 2011 that there'd be a tsunami of migration yep. from Africa mm-hmm. we know that they knew that because they said that. mm-hmm. that's happened and now f- almost a decade and a half later it looks like Putin's doing to us mm-hmm. bizarre it's, we just have to accept the fact that these people are I don't think I think they are they must be I don't know it's it's I tend to think it's more like narrative that they're so deluded, they're 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 self-deluded that they actually believe what they say. Partly, like they're told, it's 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 complicated. They know that it's not true, but they believe that what they're being told to say, which because most of them are told by advisors what to say. There's a noble reason that for there's it. a good reason for them lying. So they themselves wouldn't say they're lying. They're saying they're just saying, look, it's complicated. It's kind of like Karl Rove, that quote allegedly. Ascribed to him about we're an empire now and we're we're reality's actors. We create reality as we go along and you figure out afterwards. They would say that, okay, what I'm saying at the minute, they would think to themselves, what I'm saying right now is not technically true, 
But if we can get the public behind us and get policymakers and, and put this policy in place and get the, the money, the facts part, will take root later. The facts, well, no, not the facts will take root, but we will be able to put in place policies that will make what I am saying now true in the future. That even though it's not true now, see that's how we create reality, right? Mm. It's like so. It's not technically a lie. It's a lie in order to. It's just not accepting reality as it is right now because I don't like this reality as it, as it is right now and I want to change it and if I can get everybody else to uh, agree with me that the reality we have right now is not good then we can create this new reality so I'm going to talk about that new reality as if it's a reality right now in order to get people right this is where these people are nuts because there's only so far you can take that yeah there are it's, it's gas because they talk recently about the rules based international order that's such an Orwellian term but yeah. in a sense if you step back for a minute, there is such a thing. There are certain red lines. There are certain rules. Uh-huh. Um, Russia learned that the hard way when they had to forego state communist ideology and just accept that a market system ad hoc, roughly, mm. roughly, is objectively how things function best. They had to eat that, you yeah. know. And, they, and that, that was a good, it was good for them to do that. They learned a lot. You know, they, yeah. they recalibrated with reality, with the actual rules of how reality works. But these shitheads, they're going so far, they're, they're, bend, they're bending and breaking the yeah. rules. They're breaking their own system. Putin said in his State of the Union speech this week that the West is destroying its own financial system. Mm-hmm. He wasn't just talking about sanctions, but the, the, the ignoring of, the rule, of their own rules and imposing them on others and stuff was having blowback effects. Mm-hmm. That was hitting, for example, the way they can set interest rates, even in, in the Treasury uh, in, in the United States, the Fed. It, it's, they, and they're, they're so far gone now in that delusion, they don't – they say the right words like a rules-based international order, but they don't – that, that mandate, if you like, is actually moved east already. Uh-huh. The ones upholding the system within the, the bounds that reality, objective reality, overall sets – is Moscow and Beijing. And the West has just gone. <laughs> it's gone yeah, crazy. because they're not used to it. They're used to setting the rules themselves. They're used to, to objective it. reality being with them. Yeah. Which I suppose it was. Yeah. And they, yeah, so it's, it's all new and they can't, they're just having trouble adjusting. Yeah. Uh, this, um, talking about immigration, as we were a little mat, a little mat, minute ago there um, did I send you something Scotty no I don't know oh yeah that one have, have a look at that one first this is from a few years ago or more anyway so there's a second thing in that black box an unrelenting stream of immigration non-stop non-stop folks like me who were Caucasian of European descent for the first time in 2017, we'll be in an absolute minority in the United States of America. Absolute minority. Fewer than 50% mm-hmm. of the people in America from then and on will be white European stock. That's not a bad thing. That's a, that's a source of our strength. And so we have been, uh, we haven't always gotten it right. That's him, two th- so he's talking 2016 there. And then there's this one from more recently. Which is one of it must be early because he's compass mentis there. Yeah, this one's campaigning uh, with, I think, for the Democratic nomination in 2000, for the 2020 election. 
what he wants us with sometime 2019. We can deal with securing the border by national technical means. The, all the bad things are coming through ports of entry right now. We don't need a wall. And by the way, I would immediately, as president, surge to the border. I would end this notion for the first time in history that people seeking asylum have to be in squalor on the other side of the river being, and, and, and in, in a desperate situation. They should be able to come to the United States and have a judgment made as whether or not they qualify. I would also surge to the border. Immigration judges to make, make decisions immediately. And no one, no one would be put in jail while waiting for their hearing. Should undocumented immigrants arrested by local police be turned over to immigration officials? No. In the first 100 days of my administration, no one, no, no one will be deported at all. From that point on, the only deportations that will take place are commissions of felonies in the United States of America. So, so to be clear, only felons get deported and everyone else Period. gets to stay? Yes. So, well, not even that's true. But so yeah, so stop wondering. Like people need to stop wondering. You know what's going on at the American border, and that's obviously it's a, it's a Atlanticist policy. Cause the same things happen in Europe, and that's Joe Biden, and he's uh, he's he presided presided in the past four years with presidency over um, uh, an influx of immigrants because it's official policy. Yeah. You know, like conspiracy theory, this, that, yeah, it's just like it's like it's right there. He yeah. his mouth. He's the president. He just said, I'm going to surge. He's been sur- he surged all over the place there. Like he's having surges of blood to his head. So having those ideas. Um yeah. that, that immigrants need to come in, all of them. And and yeah, only felons. But then felons, how do you define felons? How do you know? Someone arrives from how do you know if they're a felon or not? They actually have to have to commit it, commit some kind of a crime at the border or something. How do you know if they're felons? It's twisted that that, that Telegraph article was suggesting that Putin's behind mass migration to Europe to influence election results. Mm. When for several weeks now, Elon Musk especially has been helping to elevate on Twitter discussion mm. about his belief in the theory that the Biden administration is wants maximum mass migration into the United States for votes. Mm-hmm. It's vote farming ahead of the election. Manipulating elections. Yeah. In, you know, Putin's doing it. No, we're doing it, but it's Putin's fault if it doesn't go right or something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Biden. Um, he, he has another clangor this week. Well, <clears throat> one of many, but... Um, Um, the the breaking news before we went on air is that this isn't the first. This is the second time, at least in the last month, we've heard this ceasefire talks. Um, again, Hamas. Uh, let's see, got a Guardian article here. News just now: Hamas delegation arrives in Gaza for ceasefire talks. For Gaza ceasefire talks in Cairo, and supposedly the Americans and the Israelis have already agreed, hashed out a, a plan, a six-week ceasefire. Um, and it's just up to Hamas to accept it. Um, I don't believe you're not believing official lie. I don't believe it. Israel has there was a three day ceasefire right in December, but um, they're they're not they're not going to stop until they get what they want. Um, 
people probably heard about the the what they call the the flower massacre. Mm-hmm. Um, a hundred and fifty plus were killed when did the Israelis bomb dropped a bomb on people trying to get aid off the back of a truck. Uh, yeah, I think it was. I think it was an airstrike. Are you got a link? And th- huh? Are you putting up a link? Or? Yeah, you're just talking about one. Well, I'm not sure. It's just people know about it, right? There's no development in it. Um, this was on. This was on Thursday. Israeli attack on Gazans waiting for humanitarian yeah. aid kills 150 that wasn't a bomb they were shot at they were shot at yeah um, maybe tank shot at with something high caliber in addition there's video footage of people being sniped at yeah by individuals so they're picking people it's just it's, it's you know mm-hmm. people know it's revolting it's beyond revolting I, I want to so ceasefire maybe but Israel, there's no stopping Israel. I think they're going to get whatever they want here. Um, But there's an interesting story that, okay. um, Are we still talking about Gaza here? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the Times of Israel is is reporting on this um, uh, Jordan, and I think. Most, mostly led by Jordan, has been airdropping aid because it's hard to get, you know, land, land deliveries are becoming increasingly hard. Yeah, I wonder why, because they're not letting any in. Right. Um, that has been actually going on for a few weeks. So mm-hmm. here's a report from Middle Eastern media. Um, I, think they, I think they've done like... It says here, Jordan has conducted a total of 16 airdrop operations since the war broke out on October 7th. Um, and that's the king of Jordan um, on the left there. He was a parachutist himself. British Air Force trained, actually. Lucky. Lucky, but at least he's doing something. I mean... Well, the Americans are doing it too. No, well, that's the thing. So, he's been doing it for a while. And... Um, I'll play this in the background. This footage of him at work. Um, and my understanding is that for several weeks now, these videos have been going viral in the Middle East, and it got a lot of attention. Um, and now that the Americans have noticed this, these airdrops, they're so impressive, and they're garnering so much attention online in the Middle East. Now the U.S. is beginning to mumble about maybe joining in with airdrops of its own. They already have. They have? Yep. Humanitarian aid. In between what? The usual delivery of weapons, of course, to mm-hmm. get to Israel. Yeah. It's, a, it's, it's a sick farce, like, to be honest, it's a sick farce. Deliver, you know, one plane delivers uh, bombs and bullets and guns to Israel, and another one drops um, food onto the beach in Gaza, and then... And then the, Israeli and snipers shoot at them. Israeli the snipers and, and military men and, and tanks shoot at them as they're trying to get the aid. So it's it's disgusting, isn't it? I know. Uh, I'm trying to find the silver lining in it, but it's Hunger Games, like as Anna said. Exactly. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, you can play this one, Scotty. Uh, this is an example of the kind of bullshit you're getting out of Israel. Israel's just, you know, Israeli's gonna, Israeli's gonna Israeli, as they say, you know what I mean? What can you do? Um, Israel was not involved directly in any way. This is the so-called flower massacre. I can tell you Israel was not involved directly in any way. When you say not involved directly in any way, what do you mean? I mean, you enabled these convoy, this convoy, as you said, and your forces are there on the ground and open fire. They said it themselves. What does that mean, not involved in any way? So th this was, we, well, we allowed the aid to come in. We were involved that way. That, that's our policy, to allow food to go into Gaza for the civilian population. But in the incident of people storming the trucks and the way the truck drivers paid and, and people getting squashed and pressed and uh, uh, apparently there being mass casualties, uh, Israel was not there on the ground. Okay, but they did open fire and people were killed. So I'm completely confused by what you're saying because they admitted, the IDF spokesman said it, said it on our air, that's that they opened fire. That's a, that's a separate incident, okay. not connected to the tragedy with the trucks. Uh -huh. uh, that was that was that was different place, different time. At this point, the troops seemed to have started firing. And astonishingly to me, the tank apparently fired a tank round. At what? I've no idea. Right. <clears throat> this was eight trucks. Oh, yeah. shit. That last screenshot. Those were tanks on the same street. They yeah. were right there. Well, there were, the tanks uh, were escorting. No idea. The, uh, right. The tanks and, and, and military personnel were escorting the, uh, the, the food the trucks. trucks and as people started gathering around them, they uh, started fire. shooting at them. Um, so, yeah, the IDF claimed that most people killed in that, quote-unquote, flower massacre were trampled to death. Uh, and funnily enough, Hamas, asked, Hamas responded, uh, I think on Twitter, saying that, uh, was that before or after you shot them? Um, so yeah here's Biden announcing Jew's gonna do you know Jew's gonna Jew. here's Biden announcing um, the US the chosen people are gonna chosen chosen people they're gonna chosen do chosen stuff uh, the entitled people in the coming days we're gonna join with our friends in Jordan and others in providing airdrops of of uh, additional food and supplies in the Ukraine. A few moments later. When, when the president said we were airdropping to Ukraine twice, he met Gaza, correct? He just misspoke. He was referring to Gaza. <laughs> <laughs> yep. He's our president. So, um, yeah. Nic Nicaragua. Go ahead. Nicaragua is um, following South Africa in taking out a case at the ICJ mm. against Germany mm -hmm. for its military uh, support for Israel. Not sure why they picked on Germany. Maybe because their case is so is stronger or German government is just so flagrantly lied about its role. I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. um, oh, and also specifically for withdrawing funds for the the UN agency. Um, and that's just, it's going to be a separate case from the South Africa one. Nicaragua and South Africa. That's, that's another thing about like how much the world has changed, you know. Mm -hmm. um, 
30 years ago would be like Western countries taking out cases against global south east mm-hmm. um, on anything else on Israel Gaza mm, probably somewhere close to 40,000 dead because of more than 30,000 killed officially somewhere between 7 and 10 still missing under buildings uh, so you call it upwards of 40,000 dead and then probably over 100,000, 120,000 injured. Not really anything in the way of hospital services available. Most of the building, pretty much all the buildings in northern Gaza have been damaged. Almost every building has been damaged. And people just living out in the open, you know, 100,000 people living out in the open and reliant on aid drops. Um while Israel summarily massacres them. It's, um, yeah, I mean, it's literally, and I say this, use that word literally, uh, and specifically, it's it's as bad as the actions of, you know, I'll not just say just the Nazis, but the Nazis in, in World War II, um, what they're doing. I mean, it's on a smaller scale, let's say, but um, in terms of the intent, the psychopathic nature of it, it's, it's just as bad. These people, uh, the people in control of, are leading this policy, and of course it's in Israel, politicians in Israel, and the polarization of the people, that many people in Israel support them, support these politicians, and these po- politicians are clearly devoid of any humanity, they're completely psychopathic, and that goes as well for people like, uh, people in the US who, without whom this would not be, not be possible people in the US and people in, in European countries as well. They literally have no humanity. Uh, they're not human in that respect. So if, if someone's devoid of humanity, they're by definition not human. Because mm. that's the only thing that makes you human. It's not your, the fact that you've got two arms and two legs and a head. It's, it's, it's something else. Uh, a, a basic baseline decency, a base, baseline morality that you have towards other people. These people are devoid of it. And I'm talking about the leaders of Israel, the political leaders of Israel and all the ones behind the scenes, uh, the same in the US and and the same in Europe um, as a general rule. Of course, there's some exceptions here and there and those people can't do much about it. But um, Well, one guy last week burned himself alive. Yeah. Aaron Bushnell, that happened yeah. when we were last Sunday. Yeah. Um, I wonder what kind of levels of dissent there are in US ranks well obviously not enough or uh, are, are not among people who have any, are in any position to do anything to affect any change right uh, or that anyone cares uh, well check this out this is an example of the extent of the Israeli control or of how, how much how hand in glove America and Israel are in, in slaughtering and massacring this mass massacre mass genocide of um, of, of Palestinians uh, this is what's her face, Kareem Abdul Jabbar. Is that her name? Sean Pierre. That was a, that was a basketball player. Kareem. Well, anyway, um, this is her and a couple of other guys. <laughs> we'll see. Uh. We also need to make sure uh, that um, you know we have those conversations with with, uh, with Israel on protecting 
uh, innocent lives in, Palestine, in, Palestine, in the Palestinian lives in Gaza. We need to get all important humanitarian aid into Gaza to the innocent people of, Palest of the Palest of, uh, Palest Palestinian people to make sure that they have what they need, whether it's food, whether it is uh, medical assistance. What President Biden wants to do is to have a different Middle East where you have a two-state solution where the people of Israel can live in peace and the people, the Palestinians can live in peace and have their own governing boards. What, 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 what Palestinians need is for that White House spokesperson woman to be able to say the word Palestine. That's what they need, as well as food and aid and all that kind of stuff. They need her to be able to say the word Palestine and all of, all of the rest of them. And they need the U.S. government not to be so controlled by the Israel lobby in the U.S. that they can make sure that the White House spokesperson does not say the word Palestine yeah. in a public presser uh, because... Israel does not recognize Palestine's right to exist. It does not recognize Palestine as a country. As far as Israel is concerned, after October 7th, uh, Palestine the country, as a country, as a state, uh, no longer exists. In fact, they never recognized it since forever that there ever was such a thing as a Palestinian state, and there never should have been, to the extent that there was a Palestinian state since, you know, uh, in the last hundred years. That that should never have happened. Uh, so internally, they never recognised Palestine as a state. Now that they've actually put that into practice, or hope they put that into into made that a reality, they want the US government to stop using the word Palestine because Palestine has effectively been wiped from the pages of history. Mm. Uh, exactly as Ahmadinejad, the former Iranian Prime Minister, uh, said uh, and was accused, was lambasted for saying about Israel that Israel should be wiped from the the, the Zion. I think he called it the Zionist, Zionist entity. entity should be wiped from the pages of history. Israel has always had the intention of wiping the idea of a Palestinian state from the pages of history, and it's in the process of doing that right now, and it has gone a long way to doing that, and it wants to make sure that the U.S. is on board with that as a new reality by not mentioning the word Palestine, to removing it from the dictionary, remove it from your lexicon. From your lexicon. Uh, and that's why she struggled, where it was appropriate for, her, appropriate for her and others to say Palestine, they have to stumble over the words and retract and halfway say the word Palestine and say Palestinian people, I mean... Uh, that doesn't sound right. But anyway, I can't say Palestine, so Palestinian people will have to do. So we'll make them more into a kind of Rohingya or the the Uyghurs uh, or whatever, you know, like a, a people. A of people course, without a land. Yeah, just, just a disparate. Uh, yeah. Oh, no, wait. Yeah, That's exactly. Them. But you know, it's the, the Rohingya and the Uyghurs, how much we, you know, the, the media, Western media over the past 10, 15 years have been, you know... Um, not cajoling, but um, kind of, uh, you know, worrying people uh, about, in the same way a dog worries, a sh worries the sheep, uh, worrying Western populations about, you know, the plight of the Uyghurs and the plight of the Rohingya, etc. So they're very concerned about the plight of such people, you know. Um, one, it's in their interest because it's for geopolitical interest because those two, in those two situations it was... One was against the, the Uyghurs or anti-Chinese anti propaganda, effectively. And the Rohingya was... Um, Myanmar. Myanmar, yeah. Uh, so they were, didn't, weren't, weren't happy for whatever at the time. I can't remember now. Political, geopolitical purposes they had in, in putting pressure on uh, governments. Maybe it was with China as well. Probably. Knows? Both were China. Um, so they have no problem about 
highlighting the plight of people. One is for geopolitical reasons in other parts of the world, but when they're the ones who are causing the plight of people, then it's... Uh, well, obviously you're not going to be concerned about it. You're going to pretend to be concerned about it while you supply the bombs and weapons for them to continue to be... Uh, continue for them to be continued to be to made to be made to suffer, um, while you engage in humanitarian aid theatre by saying you're going to drop some parcels on the beach. Um, so yeah, it's all lies, bullshit. None of these people are sincere. None of them are really human beings in, in the way you recognise, the way most people recognise uh, a human being. So yeah. The alien invasion, that, that answers the question. If anybody ever wondered why we don't talk about the alien invasion, we're talking about it all the time here. There are aliens in the White House, there are aliens, uh, and I don't mean shape-shifting lizards, as David Icke might say. I mean, honest to God, skin and bones, human beings, but who have, over the years, or maybe they were born that way, who knows? Downloaded something else? No, they just have uh, destroyed their own humanity. And when you destroy your humanity, you're no longer uh, entitled to be called a human being. So I don't know if you should call them aliens, but they're certainly not human beings anymore. So the non-human invasion has happened a long time ago. And it's being played in your TV screens every day, every time you watch a White House press conference or you listen to some Israeli talking head spout a load of gaslighting horseshit to CNN, to the extent that even CNN can't stomach the extent of the steaming pile of BS, which is amazing because, you, you know, when you get to see an end actually call you out on your lies, it's like, whoa, that must have been a really big fucking lie, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <clears throat> Whoppers. Yeah. Um, um, and the only other thing is there was a little... Wildfire in Texas? Yeah. There was, well, there was just before that, there's, you know, what do you call them, decided to retire this year? Uh, ischemic ischemic what are they called ischemic heart attack not ischemic heart attack I can't remember something syndrome anyway it's we have a little mini heart attacks whatever Um, what's his name white haired guy I keep forgetting his name McConnell Mitch McConnell Mm. uh, leader of the Republican Senate majority leader uh, so a Republican TIAs yeah TIA transient ischemic attack attack Anyway, he had a few of those. He said to call it quits, which is a good idea. But um, you may not have known or ever wanted to know, but his wife is Elaine Chow. Uh, Who? Elaine Chow. She's uh, Taiwanese. And she's about 30 years younger than him. Um, But her... um, And and she... uh, Before she married... I think before she married Mitch... Um, she was she's the heir one of six heirs children to a Taiwanese shipping company Hmm. and so she's married to Mitch McConnell and I think she's in the business but anyway her sister who is also in the business died this week Uh, she was the the CEO her sister was the CEO of this uh, foremost group a shipping company and here uh, she's 50 years old and um, so the death of the foremost group CEO Angela 
Chow is currently under a criminal investigation, Turks, Texas Sheriff's Office said Thursday. Um, she's married. She was married to uh, a big, big wig Jewish guy, who she married when he had one year before he died. Um, he was quite old. Well, he wasn't very old. He only died at sixty-one. Anyway, so I think he died in two thousand nineteen or twenty or something. Anyway, uh, she died in. Um, so just go down a little bit. Yeah, the death earlier this month of former CEO Andrew Chow's sister-in-law of the Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell is currently under criminal investigation. She was found dead shortly after midnight on February 11th after being pulled out of a car that had gone into a pond on a private ranch in Johnson City, Texas, about 40 miles from Austin. She was in a Tesla, actually. The incident was not a typical accident. Although the preliminary investigation indicated this was an unfortunate accident, the Sheriff's Office is still investigating this incident accident as a criminal matter until they have sufficient evidence. And I just thought it was interesting that Mitch McConnell's sister-in-law died in a suspicious, suspicious uh, you know... Classic kind of spy movies and stuff where like somebody's put in a car and pushed into a pond. <clears throat> yeah. It sounds like that, you know. And that she was the owner or the CEO and the owner of the heir, whatever, to a, a family business or a shipping business, Taiwanese shipping business. All sorts of accusations about her being pro Chinese and all that kind of stuff as well. Her and her, her family, and including Miss McConnell's wife as well, because she's part of the family. Um, so, pretty interesting, actually, uh, if you think about it in terms of. Imagine the kind of shit that goes on behind the scenes, you know. Sheer politics. Yeah. That, that's literally a scene. It's a scene in uh, the Will Smith movie. Hmm. Uh, in a few, I think. Enemy of the State. Right. Someone's about to spill the beans on a mass surveillance. Hmm. And he's killed, put in the car, and then the car is rolled into the, into hmm. the lake. I think it's a bit of a, a theme in, in, in those kind of movies. Um, one other thing, just quickly. This one from Telegraph. <laughs> it's probably old news. People might just roll their eyes and go, "Oh yeah, whatever." Um, but health secretary in the UK urged to release data that may link COVID vaccine to excess deaths. MPs and peers criticise the wall of silence as the government blames waiting lists and pandemic backlog for the increase in excess deaths. But um, Parliamentarians are demanding to be shown the underlying data to support the government's assertion that there is no evidence linking excess deaths to the vaccines for COVID-19. If those data do indeed exist, please share them. If thorough investigations have already ruled out such a link, please share the relevant reports, the letter says. There is no place here for blind faith. (laughs) Oh, well, there was four years ago. Yeah. Change your tune pretty quick, huh? Get the jab or you'll kill granny. That's the way these things always go. And, you know, I don't know how many times it has to happen. You know, fool me once, shame on you, fool me, blah, 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 won't get fooled again, uh, monkey boy bush. How many times do people have to be fooled until they go, hang on a minute. That's, the whole, that's one of the main interesting things to me about this whole process is how many times the general population, obviously I'm focusing mostly here in the West, but in terms of things like COVID, it's like a global thing. And maybe future events will be more global in nature. But I'm interested just to see how many times people get fed a line of bullshit. Regardless of how convincing it is or how manipulative it is in terms of using fear-based manipulation as in COVID, you know, you're going to die, you know, protect others, save the health service, all this kind of stuff, you know. No matter how uh, strong that manipulation is, uh, I'm still interested to see if there's a point where people go, hang on a minute, you know. Because it's happened repeatedly. Like, I mean, not in the same, in that particular um, 
of that particular nature, like in a health crisis, but like wars and different events in politics where people were lied to. You know, you can go back to, you know, the Iraq war. You go back before that, obviously, but say the Iraq war, you know, people, you know, Colin Powell was a little vial of anthrax and then the 45 minutes for Saddam to uh, nuke the UK and multiple other lies, sexing up dossiers and all that kind of stuff. People were blatantly and deliberately and openly lied to by by politicians uh, in extremely and very nefarious ways that led to a lot of suffering for people in general, particularly people in the Middle East, obviously in Iraq. Um, and then, you know, I don't know, there's many things in between then but that you could cite but jump forward to Trump and Russia and uh, dodgy dossiers again uh, around that, you know, this, this, the Christopher Steele dossier by Trump, uh, you know, getting peed on or something. Uh, by <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff where they put that out and then they say that, you know, and then you have the re- revealing of the Twitter files and how people are being censored for partisan reasons and all that kind of stuff. Multiple examples of why people, you know, with you know, really good evidence why people... Uh, that people should not trust government. The government repeatedly and egregiously lies to the population. And I'm just interested to see how many times that's going to happen and how big, how much bigger the lies can get uh, and, and before people... Historically, it comes to a head no. through civil war or revolution. Mm. Yeah, it's not that everybody wakes up and says, you're lying. Well, no, They're pushed into... Those things, those things form the, uh, the energy for, for that. Mm. People get That's what goes into it. It keeps happening, and then, but then the 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 path for that to continue shortens and shortens, mm. and then there's a break. Mm-hmm. You, you just can't continue as usual, mm. and the only way you can reset to a more rational, objective reality, rules based system where right. more or less most of the people are happy with the status quo is if it's reset through violence. That's 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 history. That's human history. Mm-hmm. I don't see any way around it. Um, the president of El Salvador was uh, a guest speaker at the CPAC, which you mentioned last week. Mm-hmm. Um, great little speech, 25 minutes. And he said, you know, I hope it doesn't come to it. But in our country, we could only reset. He, he mentioned that CPAC's slogan this year was, where globalism comes to die. He said, well, in my country, it's dead. <laughs> uh, well, we can assess whether how true that is or not but um it is it, they, they've had a remarkable turnaround with him as president and mm-hmm. he was just re-elected with 83 percent of the vote that's uh, uh, yeah um he said for us to go through the changes we needed we had not just one but two civil wars hmm. and one of them was the wave of mass migration to the united states the famously in the 1980s the civil civil war in central america of which El Salvador was one country. And he said, you know, that's... Um, he said, I hope it doesn't come to that here, but um, you you kind of, you have... He was telling this crowd, you have to act now politically to avoid that. Hmm. Um, hmm. I, yeah. yeah. It could, yeah, that, yeah, that's... I mean, historically, that's what happens, right? People are pushed and tormented and manipulated and um, in different ways and lied to 
uh, and that just creates a kind of tension within the within the population yeah. of any one country or one, any one region, and then it it gets pushed too far, and people react, and they don't really know what they're reacting to. They're not reacting to anything. Or, or, there's, other, or there's a myriad of different there's things. A myriad of things. Look at the farmers' protests. So the latest iteration was in Brussels at EU HQ last week. They brought in riot police. Uh, in Brussels, they really crank it up because they absolutely don't want images. They had it once, I think, during lockdown of fires at the EU buildings. So they use whatever physical force it takes the police to keep back tractors. But these tractors were bringing out, you know, articulated arms to rip away mm. the border. It was full-on clash. Someone nearly got run over and killed. I was watching that thinking, we're a couple of protests away from the police having to make the decision on the spot as to whether they're willing to die for the regime. So... Mm. It's getting closer. Now, if you, I also watched some of the interviews of specific farmers, including, you know, like a union head who was there. And he was trying to give, he was being interviewed by a journalist, so he was sticking on point. Well, you know, the subsidies, the climate change, and, you know, farmers are hurting. But then he just said, you know what, fuck it, it's everything. It's the fucking masks. It's the lockdown. It's this war in Ukraine. It's the wokery. We're sick of all of it. That's starting to accumulate. Mm-hmm. And it'll be and certain the, people. And, and so the path for reality creators is getting shorter and shorter. They thought they had eternity to do this. Mm. They don't. That that the window is, is shrinking. Which is why day. they're getting desperate, and which means they'll make mistakes. Yeah, they'll they'll be pushed to be 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 pushed into action. Basically, yeah, army army will be brought in. Open fire on them now. Which or is just precipitated more, or more, the Bolshevik revolution. Yeah, well, that's maybe an end point. That's the last point. But I mean, more when they see that happening, they see discontent among the population, which is kind of what I was saying earlier on. Uh, uh, they'll be pushed to take more, to, to do, to talk more in more alarmist, fear mongering kind of ways, and maybe even put things in place that are a, an attempt to suppress the population. Like they could have another COVID type situation. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, before so would it work a second time <clears throat> yeah mm. well well they'll try but like i mean the point you draw like the the point where it's like a v for vendetta type thing where it's the people against you know armed armed mm. agents of the state basically that's that's when uh either civil war has already started and it's, it's ongoing or whatever um but i'm thinking there's more the way these politicians are talking they have plans to put other things in place to try and suppress that, do you know what I mean? Because I think when it gets to a civil war situation, that's not necessarily, not necessarily where they want it to go. That's an out, that's a result of of all of their attempts to suppress people from really just expressing their discontent and their unhappiness with the state of affairs and their unhappiness with the corruption and the lack of humanity in, in, in leadership. Um, so they want to stop at getting to that point, I think. Ideally, a lot of people would say that no, they want to foment a civil war, and maybe they do in some way, but it's not really a real civil war in that sense. You know what I mean? Not like we're talking about where it's really just an open expression, mass expression amongst the population of anger and resentment against the state. Then it's uncontrollable. But they may, when people talk about you know uh, provoking a civil war, they'd probably try and do it in in ways that then has a has a a, a kind of a a suppressive effect on the rest of the population, you know, to try and keep them down. Because I think that's their agenda all the time, is to keep the people down and afraid and quiet and, yeah. dis- and unobedient. Revolution is a very tall order for Westerners because revolutions have been successful outside the West because the West gave the support, financially, right. military. 
That's never happened the other way around. And right. there's no sign of Russia or China, despite the propaganda, well, ever actually yeah. assisting yeah. with a counter-Maidan yeah. in a Western capital. Yeah, I don't think they would. So that it's like... So if it happens, it'll that, be genuine. And that will increase the cockiness, the confidence of the current regime mm-hmm. that this will never happen. Mm-hmm. But they're going to make it happen just eventually. Wait. They're going yeah. to. Yeah, they're going to. Yeah, only so last thing is that we mentioned there are wildfires in Texas, strange biggest wildfires ever in the north of the area, the panhandle, as they say. Well, biggest ever for the state, no? Yeah, biggest ever for the state, yeah. And 85% of the state's cattle population is located on ranches in the panhandle. That doesn't mean that they're all, those 85% are in the areas of the fire. There's one big fire, two smaller ones at this point in time. But yeah, it's uh, cattle have been lost. It's generally a dry, kind of arid, brushy kind of area in general, so fire spreads quite easily, but... Um, but it's burned up food stocks and all that kind of stuff, so it's putting a lot of pressure on the cattle industry in Texas, which is a significant part of Texas' economy. Um, did they shoot lasers to start these fires? Who knows? I the, don't know. The green laser video, I think someone showed that it's it's two videos yeah, overlaid. I think it is, yeah. Um, I think besides, it first surfaced on like TikTok yeah. late last year. Yeah. So I don't think that's related. Going. However, I'm not, I'm not averse to, given what we know happened, what we <laughs> suspect happened in Hawaii, yeah. it could yeah. have been deliberate. Yeah, but yeah. you know, sabotage, food source, more pressure on people. Yeah, for sure. I don't. I don't. I mean, whether it's lasers or it's and easy, frankly, it's easier largest, to throw a bunch of gasoline. You know what I mean? Can you play that in the background? It doesn't have to be sound on. There's some footage oh, showing the scale of it. Yeah, sound off. Um, I, I'm I'm suspicious. I mean, initially they said they had warm weather. It, it, the fire began last Monday, and that's true. It was warmer than usual, and the wind was um, heading in a roughly west to east direction, which is a warmer wind in that part of the world. Mm-hmm. However, it's still like last Monday was still February, largest wildfire ever. How hot did it get? And drought is it's kind of droughty there, but not the worst drought ever. Yeah. Um, can be pretty warm and so that that's stretched in a long line in a kind of west to east direction. And then what happened was roughly on Thursday, the wind shifted and it came north south, bringing snow actually. Mm. And the fire is still going, but it's spread 50 miles in a line south now mm-hmm. for strong cold north wind that even it snowed in places. The snow put its fire out in places. Um, it's yeah. a bit odd this time of the year, such a massive one. Texas is a dry place, though. Um, I tell you what, I'm a little suspicious. Just Texas in general has been obviously the the bugbear. It's been if there's if there's going to be a place that's going to resist Washington, it's Texas. Um, Two weeks ago, Elon Musk announced that he was relocating Tesla to incorporating in Texas. Trump on Thursday. Um. Before the wind shifted, and this became the biggest ever wildfire, it's curious, Trump met Abbott at Eagle Pass mm-hmm. over the migration issue and said he's, con- he's considering strongly uh, Governor Abbott of Texas to be a running mate. And Biden came the same day. Did he? He did, and, but Abbott didn't meet him. Uh, right. Abbott wouldn't meet him. He met with Trump, but wouldn't meet with Biden. And Biden just had to talk to some border guards. Right. So yeah, but, uh, Texas is Abbott is a rebel. Like yeah, I mean Texas is is not as state, state non grata as far as Washington is concerned. So like, how hard would it be to, uh, you know, start a few fires with a few a number of when you of, know there's it, a strong warm yeah, wind 
predict well forecast you go and you start some fires in, in, in several different areas with several different people it's wide open country like it's like d- d- not desert but it's like there's no one around there in, in, in those areas for, for miles and miles so Apparently it's super it's, easy to start it's chaos start thousands and thousands of livestock dead a million more than a million acres of land burned yeah um, and there's lo- thousands more livestock are roaming because the fences are destroyed um, yeah yeah, it's not good. In it's late suspicious. February, it's usually freezing down part of it. Down. Well, Texas is pretty, pretty warm in general. What uh, else last week? Uh, Julian Assange still in prison. I, I'm telling you, I've been saying it for three years. The Brits are just going to keep... This is lawfare. They're killing him by lawfare. I don't think they're, they're going to release him. I don't even think they're going to actually bring it to a conclusion. I wish they would, of course, but um, it's, a, it's a twisted way to go. He, couldn't, he was so unwell, he couldn't even attend in person um, last week for his case, which is still in limbo. Um, Rothschild died. I think he's the last really active. Jacob Rothschild died last week. Mm-hmm. At the young age, the spring, spring age, young age of 87. It's unusual for the, his class of people, you know. Usually they live for 100. Um, Sucking on the adenochrome. Speaking of deaths and the royals, um, is, is King Charles near death? Could be. Um, British press are putting out feelers saying that they have an operation, a plan in, in, in process uh, set up. In the eventuality, he kicks the bucket less than a year into his... Why would be such a contrast? His mother is queen for... They call it Operation Tits Up. <laughs> His mother was queen for decades, <laughs> seven decades, 1953, seven some decades, and then he might last a year. And then where's Kate? Yep. Speculation, speculation. That's um, the Royal Watcher. He's turned into a Royal Watcher. Kate's been since Christmas Day. Yep. Uh, they won't say what's what, abdominal surgery, mm. won't be out till Easter. Um. And then Charles, with a form of cancer that must be so aggressive that he's basically a goner, I think. Then, in addition to that, Can another royal, royal um, committed suicide last week. Uh, a cousin. So, the husband of Lady Gabriella Windsor, and she is the she's the niece. She's a niece of Charles's. Her husband killed himself. A uh, gunshot wound in a shed. The back of the house. It's it's amazing how things just cascade and suddenly the eternal. It's funny how of you know QE 2s reign just mm. overnight, and it's all gone to shit. Mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they, it looked rosy. They had you know so many heirs lined up, and suddenly it looks like William's next. And then is he going to be okay? Was Kate okay? Yeah, he abdicate. That'd be his he son. probably doesn't want it, yeah. His son, one of his children, five-year-old, six-year-old or something. Anyway, that's enough for well watching, because uh, they're only people after all, Neil. They're just normal people like you and me. Well, they may have gold toilets, but like Trump, but they're just... Royal watching, normal. it's you know, it's, impor- it's not important, but it's symbolic. It is, of something. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and on that symbolic note, I will... I just wanted to mention that I... Did you know I have a fear of elevators? 
I didn't know. Yeah, I've started taking steps to avoid it. Good. Like what? Steps. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that was awesome. That was so good. You. It's it just so, so subtle. It just, yeah. Front. Right over me. Anyway, uh, yes, we're going to do that. Fox, Red Fox gave you a lull. Good job. Good. Man. Awesome. Uh, we are going to, yes, and on that symbolic ha-ha. and hilarious note, we're going to leave it there for this week, folks. Thanks for watching, listening, and thanks for commenting, guys. Don't forget to smash all the buttons because you know you want to. And we'll be back next week with another show. And until then, have a good week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for watching. Can't stop the signal now. Mm-hmm.